1: for our own recovery as well as our clients.
0: If you'd care to join us, we record live on Mondays at 12:30 p.m. Pacific Time on YouTube. We generally answer a few questions from our live viewers related to whatever topic we're covering that week. And if there's a topic you'd like covered, you can also submit a
1: request on our website, purelyocd.com. And if you do find this podcast helpful, please leave us a review so we can gain more visibility to reach more people like yourself and help spread awareness of what it's like to live with OCD.
0: Quick reminder, this is not intended as therapy or as a replacement for therapy. This is for educational purposes only.
1: So without further ado, here is this week's episode.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Purely OCD. And you may notice that there is a third square in our Brady Bunch situation third this week. Wheel. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I often think of you that way, Patrick, as the third Many wheel.
2: People do, by <laughs>
0: <them>. <laughs> so for those of you who are not familiar, and I'm going to just put this caption up real quick so that people can see your name, but it's going to actually, oh no, there you go. For those of you who are not familiar with our fabulous special guest, this is Dr. Patrick McGrath. And, uh, Patrick is the uh chief clinical officer for uh, NOCD or NOCD uh, which way no are CD. we do we no co- okay mm-hmm.
1: thank you
2: mm-hmm.
1: that's i'm glad we have that settled now so yeah, NOCD we'll mm-hmm. uh <laughs> you guys only sponsored us for a minute and yeah yeah. Yeah,
0: so. <laughs> yeah i'm glad that we're on top of things and um and formally um the uh clinical director correct at Foglia? at Foglia the
2: yeah, I was doing that uh, until I came over to OCD. No yeah. Did uh, did the Foglia Family Foundation Residential Treatment Center, and also all the anxiety and OCD program at Alexian Brothers Behavioral Health Hospital as well too.
0: So anyway, he has a wealth of knowledge. We're thrilled to have him on today, um, and he's also just an awesome human. So there you go. Oh, well, thank no, you. I appreciate no me. pressure. No <laughs> pressure. Yeah. No, no, no pressure. <laughs> He is a funny guy. What, what's the, uh, an Irishman, an I- Irishman can tell you to go to hell? Only
2: an Irishman can tell you to go to hell and make you look forward to the journey.
0: That's the <laughs> one. Which
2: is, that's how I describe ERP to a lot of people. You know, I'm going to oh ask gosh, you to do something really, really difficult and get you to hopefully be really looking forward to the fact that you're doing it.
0: Yeah. I love that. It makes you a very good Irishman, really.
2: Well, you're named Patrick McGrath. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that would be a disappointment if you weren't yeah. up there. Yeah. That is totally fair. Yeah. And anyone who's watching can go ahead and, you know, ask questions in the chat too and we um get around to those. We would we would love to maybe field some. Um but I I think we we were kind of curious just a, a first off question and this is very broad is what do you think are the most critical parts of of treatment for OCD. I mean, we obviously, we talk a lot about ERP on here and all of that, which I presume has some <laughs> element in your answer, but I, yeah, we wanted to mm-hmm. sort of get curious with you about what, what pieces you think are maybe, um, important to talk about and highlight.
2: Uh, first comes to mind is practice, hmm. right? If you don't do ERP once and change, just like you don't, uh, go to your first piano lesson and become a virtuoso after the first piano lesson. Yeah. Wait, why? You, you probably You're were yourself. one before. <laughs> all right. I apologize. I'm kidding, I'm yes. kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but you know um, maybe there's a rare bird that can do that, but the vast majority of people are not do this once and then I'm done and everything's changed and I have no doubts about it anymore and all is well. You, you, you have to practice these things. OCD took a long time to get you where you were. Why wouldn't it also take a while to get you where you want to be?
1: Right. So right. patience.
2: Yes. Which a lot yes, of that
1: clients can get frustrated. They're like, oh, <laughs> I did this exposure. I should feel better now. Right.
2: Yes. Right. And. And uh, that leads to watch the shoulds, right? The shoulds, the musts, the oughts, the have tos, the need tos. They uh, they will definitely get in the way of therapy. And if you are shooting all over the place, you're really going to have a lot of trouble in the work that you're doing because you don't want to shoot on therapy. It's it's going to really interfere with the work that you're doing. So watch those all or nothing kinds of words that you tell yourself. Um, I think if you're looking at number two, Lauren, from your question, the self-talk is very important to me. How are you talking to yourself? How are you motivating yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Are you motivating yourself in a way that would be motivating to others? Or are you putting yourself down as a way to try to motivate yourself to be better? Mm, and point. <clears throat> yeah, If if that's the case and that's what you're doing, Well, if it wouldn't be motivating to anyone else, why would it be motivating to you? So my favorite topic is specialness. Why do you believe the rules of the world apply to you differently than they do to everyone else? And can I help you break the notion that that's the case for you? Because I don't find it to be true. You believe it, but I don't find it to actually be true. I don't see that the rules do actually apply to you differently than they do to other people. Mm -hmm. Your OCD will try to convince you of the fact that it is. It's fine for everyone else to do all of these things. But if you do them, you have a different set of rules that you must apply to it in order for you to be successful at this that others just don't have to do. Or it's fine if anybody else were to have this thought or image or urge. But when you have it, you must do now these special things in order to neutralize it because it's it. It's a different meaning when it happens in your brain than it is in anybody else's brain.
0: Yeah. The standards are much higher. Yeah. Um, yes. Yes. Speaking of that question, first of all, I love your two points so far. Um, but I, you know, when you were talking about shoulds and then you kind of segued into motivation, I think that that's a really mm-hmm. interesting topic, actually, because oftentimes I find that when people start to should on themselves, it's almost a way mm-hmm. of externalizing the part of them that wants change. It's like a a lack of ownership. Like I know I should do this, but I'm like I don't want to, right? Like it ends up out of my control. So helping people to understand and own their own ambivalence around it, and say like I both want to do this and I don't want to do this, and then correct. But that should always gets in the way of that. I find.
2: Yeah, I want and I should do feel very different, right? When when I say that I want or I don't want to do something. That is very personal. But when I say I shouldn't do it or I can't do it, it's very externalizing. Mm -hmm. So so I always talk about can't versus won't. One of my Mm. favorite examples of that, I had someone in my office who said I can't get on an elevator. And I said, well, let's go down to the elevator. I want to test something. So and as I was going to the elevator with them, I was pointing things out. Now we're going to walk through the doorway here. okay? so we walk through now we're going to walk down the hall. We're going to walk to the elevator. And when we got to the elevator, I pressed the button. I said, I'd like you to uh, try to get on the elevator because I wanted to watch you bounce off the invisible force field that appears in front of the elevator. And they, they looked at me yeah. and said, well, what are
0: you
2: talking about? And I said, I said, well, you, you can walk through doorways. You've proved that already. You've walked in and out of my office and the, the building here and, and you've walked, we've walked here. So the, the two things required to get onto an elevator involve walking and walking through doorways. You've, you've proven the ability to do both. Therefore the only reason in in my mind why you can't get on an elevator must be that an invisible force field appears in front of it and it blocks you. So I'd like to see you bounce off of it. <laughs> yeah. And then they say, I hate you. And then they say, <laughs> okay, fine. It's in um, my
1: brain that's saying, do it.
2: Yeah. Right. And, and then, then they say, fine, I don't want to get on the elevator. Why? Because I'm afraid of it. And I say, great. I can treat
1: that. Yes, yeah. exactly.
2: I, I don't know how to treat. I can't do it. Right. I've never figured that out yet. I, I have in twenty three years of doing this. I have never figured out how to treat someone who can't do something.
1: Yeah. Very well explained. Yeah. Incredibly. If they're not. If they're not willing. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But it does really point to the the importance back to that self talk. Right. It, it is the the way that of you're course. talking to your to yourself about these things really has a huge impact on whether or not you move forward with treatment.
1: Yeah. I can yeah. see people. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say like, I, I could see people saying, <clears throat> well, I know they say it. It's like, okay, well, I'm not willing to. So, but I should be willing. There's like shooting all over. It just keeps coming up. Yeah.
2: Keeps coming up, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So then how do you motivate somebody again to do the difficult stuff? How do you get someone to do something that's really hard and look forward to it and enjoy it? And, mm. and, uh, you know, one, I I used this already in a therapy session this morning. One of the things I say to people all the time is you can spend the rest of your life sitting next to your tombstone wondering when you're going to be six feet under it. Or you could live your life and show on the day of your death at your tombstone saying, wow, what a great time that was. That was a party. And either way, you're going to be six feet under it at some point. Yeah. How are you going to approach it is what's most important, right? I can't stop the inevitable. That's going to happen at some point, but do you want to live the rest of your life worrying about when it's going to happen or do you want to enjoy your life and do what you want to do and not what whatever intrusive thought or image or urge might be popping into your head is telling you that you need to do. Hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So do you use a lot of act?
2: Um I I might. Uh I <laughs> because here here's here's my belief yeah if you're doing excellent erp you're doing act yeah right with people you're doing mindfulness too yeah so i i look at it as i attempt to do excellent erp and it probably then very much simulates what you do in all sorts of other types of therapies as well too i was trained in doing it as erp and i've continued to call it erp um I remember when Mike Tuig at ABCT got up and did one of his first talks about introducing ACT to the group. And there was a panel up on the dais there. You know, you had John Abramowitz and Alec Pollard and Brad Riemann and Thruster Bjorkinsand and Brett Deacon. And Mike was giving this spiel to everybody about it. And I raised my hand in the audience. I said, Mike, I just want to thank you. I didn't know I was an ACT therapist, but after (laughs) listening to you.
1: It's so true though, right?
2: I I do everything you say. I may have a different language for it. I may describe it slightly differently, but I believe fundamentally I do everything that you were just describing. So I think if you're excellent at one, you're also probably very excellent at the other. It's so
0: true. Yeah. I'm curious to actually, given your background uh, in in treating co-occurring substance use, um, how much motivational interviewing, I mean, maybe this is just redundant, but it, it seems, it strikes me that that actually Mm -hmm. ends up being quite important in the, in, in treating OCD and, you know, not to get into too much of the, the clinic, like the clinical language to anyone watching. It's just Mm -hmm. a way of, of supporting people's motivation to do things that part of them definitively does not want to do. And it comes up a lot in addiction treatment. Yep.
2: Yes. And the other piece on the back end of it as well is Really showing the similarities between why people use substances and why people do compulsions. Mm -hmm. And both of them Mm -hmm. are to eliminate uncomfortable experiences. Right. So Mm -hmm. I could use a substance because it neutralizes thoughts and images and urges in my head very quickly. I could also use a substance because if I don't, I go into withdrawal and that's very uncomfortable. And I could do a compulsion because if I don't, I have to sit with something very uncomfortable as well, too. So both of them involve the mitigation of something that's uncomfortable and maybe have some different mechanisms for getting there. But they do get you there.
0: Yeah. Okay, I have to share this with you guys because it's too funny. My mother texted me this morning with no preamble at all and said, can compulsions be considered an addiction and therefore treated with the same, uh, with some of the same tools used for helping addiction? Wow. Like, there, you yeah, yeah. go, <laughs> there you go. Way to go, mom. Yeah. She's on the Honorary right.
2: doctorate uh, to mom there. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Dr. McMeekin. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, no, that's, uh, I think that that's totally true. And of course there's also the like chasing something that's pleasant Right. But, and those are Mm -hmm. two sides of the same in terms of addiction, right? Like sometimes it's like, Oh, I just want to feel good. Um, as opposed to getting away from feeling bad. And yet those are really two sides of the same coin. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm.
1: I have a question, um, from someone who is not trained thoroughly in motivational interviewing. What is a question you guys might use when there is resistance in an OCD client?
0: Patrick, you want to take it or shall I?
2: Um, I just say, you know, if if you're choosing not to do ERP, right, if you're if you're kind of putting up a roadblock to that, are you OK with today being the best you'll ever feel for the rest of your life?
1: Mm-hmm. Great. Because God.
2: OCD gets a little bit more difficult every day as you do more compulsions and it mm. gets more and more ingrained. So are you fine with today is the best you'll ever feel for the rest of your life if you choose not to do anything about the OCD and hope for it to um, change on its own? You know, I, I like to say to people, you can wait for a miracle to happen or you can make the miracle happen. Which which will you mm. choose to
1: do? I love it. Yeah.
0: Well, especially because waiting doesn't work Yeah, <laughs> to your point. Like it just gets harder and harder over time. That's such a, mm-hmm. yeah. Lauren. Um, I really like weighing the decisional balance with clients. So really saying like, okay, well, if you take this action, where do you see that going? Right. So if you, if you do the compulsion what's the outcome there? Do you like, okay, so you might get temporary relief, but the next time, right? Like, so sort of walking them through the, the long game and then also saying, well, what do you stand to gain from not doing the compulsion and walking them through on that realm? So that, that there's the clear understanding of the the cost benefit on either side. Right. Um, because, and uh, yeah, so much of motivational interviewing is about navigating ambivalence differently. And so that's, one of my favorite ways of doing that is like calling out like, "Oh, you actually do want this other thing. Right. Yeah. And there, yeah, it's not just, I should speaking of that. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So, so far, Patrick, you've, you've said practice, self-talk. Yes. uh, Addressing specialness, which I think is very important. um, Motivation. Hmm.
2: um, Um, I'd add another one on there. There's going back to Kelly, what you said about act, the acceptance is, is important in the sense that mm-hmm. I have to accept the fact that the goal of therapy is not to make any thought or image or urge go away. It's to allow it to be there and not care that it's there. Yes. But how many of our patients have said to us, but I don't know if I can live having this thought or this image or this urge in my head, I don't ever want to experience it again. And I have to be honest with people and say, I don't know how to do that.
1: Yeah. I, do. I haven't,
2: I haven't figured that out yet. I haven't figured out how to make a thought never appear ever again in your head or an image or an urge.
1: Yep. Yeah. We have to be willing to have all of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: But I also let everyone I treat know that, by the way, I've absorbed every single intrusive thought, image, or urge of anyone I've ever treated now. And so I can't do anything in my life without having intrusive thoughts with me no matter what I do. And you
0: still live a very full and meaningful and rich life.
2: I like to think so. But I also know that I'm ever with the two of you at a conference on a staircase. I'll think about throwing you down the stairs.
1: It's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean I presume I'm, I'm sure that I had that thought standing next to you, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> or punching you or decapitating yeah. you,
0: you know, something, something like that.
2: Something, you know, a little stare in the eye. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So that's what friends um, are for, really. That that is know? what OCD treating friends are for. Yes. So <laughs> um we are we are not here to get people. To be without something. No. Yep. That's not our goal as therapists. We are here to help people accept the fact that they are a human and they have weird things pop into their head. And that just because that happens doesn't mean that anything must be done about it.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And in that lots of acceptance of feelings too, right? Because you you will care in terms of you will feel anxious, but it's like yeah maybe you could just learn to feel anxious instead of trying to get rid of all of it
2: right right we're not out to create robots of no emotion right (laughs) that's that's not what we're doing
1: no no Mm -hmm. although Although, i like to be a robot sometimes (laughs) sure like tone down the emotions a little kelly jeez Mm-hmm.
0: Well, our ongoing joke is, you know, uh, when, when is the lobotomy, right? You know, like it'd be nice yeah. every once in a while, but like, but that's it. And we don't all, obviously nobody like, well, right. I certainly don't want a lobotomy. It's very
1: all or nothing. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Um. Hmm.
1: Were you, oh, were you going to say something, Cal? Well, I was just, I forgot what I was going to say, but it was something <laughs> around what Patrick. Very profound. Said, uh, yeah, whatever. it was. I'm sure it was wonderful. I'm glad mm-hmm. I highlighted that for you yeah. to really make it yeah. extra. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the friends um, in terms of things that get in the way of treatment, and I guess, I suppose, to some degree, that's part of what we've been discussing. But any significant roadblocks that you see in people regularly, other than self talk and specialness? Again, I guess we have been answering those things.
2: Yeah, well, there's. There's the attempt to be in control, right? The, how many how many of our of our patients are afraid to not feel in control of something, right? And yeah. yet, they also don't recognize one thing, which is the, there is something else in control, and that's the OCD. And if they have a combined substance mm. use, it's it's the substances and the OCD are actually the things that are in control. So, in my goal to find control, I've given up control to something else that has convinced me it doesn't have control that mm. and that I could gain it if I just do what it tells me to do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's messed up, isn't
2: it? <laughs> it's totally messed up, right? Yeah. But it, it goes to the conniving nature of obsessive compulsive disorder, yeah. which is which is only concerned about one thing, and that is itself. OCD cares only about itself. It does not care about your friends, your family, your job, your loved ones, your home, anything. OCD cares about one thing. I I describe OCD in fact as the koala bear of disorders because koalas eat one thing and that is eucalyptus leaves and that's all they survive on is eucalyptus leaves. And, and OCD eats one thing and that's compulsions and therefore OCD has to do whatever it can to get you to do compulsions in order to survive. Because if you don't do compulsions, you don't feed OCD and if you don't feed OCD, it starves and it kind of fades into the background. So it, it has one singular goal. How can I get you to do a compulsion?
0: Yep. That's true. Lots of tricks up its sleeve on on the way there. Um, by the way, anyone who's watching, if you have any questions, you can feel free to throw them in the chat area. We're happy to try and address some if anything comes up. Um, I like the koala
1: bear. I like that.
2: It's the koala bear of disorders. Yeah.
1: yeah absolutely mm-hmm. but it has like vicious teeth sometimes yes
2: yes it's it's the prehistoric koala bear which was of big And
0: also looks deceptively cuddly right like yeah. Oh, yeah, but they're
2: I, not they're not I, they well and an really ocd really is beautiful. the
0: same way though mm-hmm. right like it's yeah. like come on it's it's Ugh. fine
2: <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> you'll be good
2: well that's the other thing that i when, when people are stuck with OCD and I say, you know, if it is as good of an idea as you're holding on to, why don't you try to convince other people to have it too? I mean, if you think it's been that helpful in your life, why not proselytize OCD out to other people and say, hey, uh, you know, I, I'm noticing something's not going so well for you. Have you considered some OCD? Because that might really, <laughs> really help this situation a lot. I think you'd find yeah. it to be a great addition to what what's happening in your life right now. So huh.
0: That is true. I don't know that I've ever met somebody actually proselytizing for OCD. So,
2: yeah, if OCD was as good as it tells the people who have it that it is, then that should be our job. We should be we should be offering OCD to people instead of helping to remove the effects of OCD.
0: Right. That's true. Mm-hmm. I, I somehow don't think that that's ever going to be any of our jobs, but yes.
2: I I don't <laughs> believe so. I don't I don't think it would be, but but OCD would love it if if mm-hmm. that was our job and if we were to hand out more of it. Uh, koalas. To yes.
1: Yeah.
2: Free koala. Free koalas. Uh, yeah, for everyone. Mm-hmm.
0: For everyone, call
1: mm-hmm. your local OCD therapist.
0: That's right. Free koalas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, meanwhile, uh, somebody did ask: Do you guys ever work with your clients, and I, I believe in accepting worst-case scenarios?
2: Um, sure, well, of course. I've I, who we, I and I'm going to bet who of us hasn't even lived through a worst-case scenario,
0: right? I mean, it's a fair point.
1: Yeah, we survived. Um, We're good.
2: Yeah, you know, uh, many of you know my my wife passed away five months ago. Um, yeah, that was a worst-case scenario. What if when she was diagnosed with cancer, I said, nope, I refuse to accept that she has cancer. Right. I refuse mm. to accept that she will die from cancer. Even though I looked at the scans on the day that we got the scans uh, back. And I, was, I looked, one look at the scan, I'm not even an oncologist. And I look at the scans and go, well, that's going to kill her. I mean, she's yeah, telling right away right. that she was she was stage 4 metastatic she was going to die and there was not going to be any treatments that we did that was going to stop this there were things that could pr- prolong her life a bit but so imagine if we applied uh not accepting worst case scenarios to other areas of our life right and so, yeah i just said hey honey why why are you using a walker you don't have cancer why, right. why why aren't you just walking normally i mean you know that well that look at the jerk i would have been seen if i did something like that right I mean, right horrible person so i accepted from day one the worst case scenario and we lived with that for five years until she died now along the way we did everything that we could to try to make her as comfortable as possible and to still have some fun and even you know a week before she died uh, or before she had the seizure that led to her death we even went to the movies it was Mm -hmm. A a large ordeal to get her there, but I got her to a movie theater, you know, we, we made attempts to still do things, even though we were living in a worst case scenario.
1: Yeah, that's a beautiful way of explaining it, actually, which is, Mm -hmm. this is the worst case scenario, but how do I want to show up and how do I want to be
2: Yeah. Well, you said it right, Kelly. What if OCD was the worst case scenario? Not what OCD tells you the worst case scenario could be. What if it's just the OCD itself is the worst case scenario? And therefore, our job isn't Mm -hmm. to really work as much on what OCD tells you. It's just to help get rid of OCD in and of itself. Because to me, having OCD might actually be the worst case scenario.
0: Absolutely. Because then I think it goes back to what you were saying, like heading to the movies with Susan, right? Like it's. Um, you miss out on your life if, yeah. you're not, if you're not willing to accept at least the possibility that the worst case scenario exists. Right? Well, that it reality happen. Well, obviously in in the in this case, yes, but I just mean in OCD no, more yeah. generally, like to to make space for the fact that well, and and with death, actually, based on what Patrick said at the very beginning of all of this, like we're all ending up there. So that's that, accepting that or not accepting that doesn't make any sense. It just detracts mm-hmm. from your ability. To be here, to be now, to be in 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 what's actually happening, and um, so I think you're right. I think the worst case scenario is missing your whole life because you're so tied up in trying to resolve something that just can't be resolved.
2: Yeah, yeah,
0: it's messed up. So
2: why not just live life knowing you know where it's going to take us eventually and making the best of it along the way. But but then again, remember OCD loves that phrase, what if, ah, but what if I don't figure out the best way,
1: right? Mm. Yeah. 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 Do good enough.
2: Yeah. <laughs> then then we're going to, we're going to go with good enough, right? Exactly.
1: How
0: often do you see people with, uh, with obsessions that like are related to treatment? Speaking of this question of like, what's the yeah. right way to do it? Cause I think that, yeah. that those can be particularly tricky.
1: Right. And yeah. OCD is the worst case scenario too. They will come up with that, right? Like sure. this is my life, and they're upset that they have OCD. The contents yeah. irrelevant at this point.
2: So I I just look at this as another form of OCD trickery. Right. Totally. One of the last grasps of OCD before it is thrown to the wayside, hopefully, is all right, fine. I get it. You want to get rid of me. Okay. <laughs> I understand. I don't like the decision. I find it a bad one, but I'll accept it. Now, just know, though, if you're going to get rid of me, you have to do it perfectly.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> right? And then, yep. boom, there it is. That, that's it. That phrase right there. You want to get rid of me? Okay. But you have to do it perfectly. Perfect. And the <laughs> only Otherwise, way I'll never have, go away. Yeah, the only way to do it perfectly is to do it in an OCD way. And if okay. you're going to try to get rid of OCD with OCD, then you just make more OCD.
1: Yeah. This
0: disorder, man.
1: Yeah, it has to fold in on itself. It's just
0: like, it's like the in- and- Inception yes. of disorders. No, and it's true. But I think isn't it isn't the point too that it's like there's no like the trying to get rid of OCD in the first place is the problem. I mean, yeah. understood the disorder piece of it, which is really in the response to it. But trying sure. to get rid of the experience is the only way it hooks into. I'm going to do it perfectly, or I have to do it perfectly,
2: right? Yeah, um, there there is no perfect way to get rid of anything, right? No, no. So the the notion that there is with this, and we know that the moment we attempt to do anything perfectly according to OCD's wishes, all we're going to hear from OCD is, "Yeah, but what if you yeah, tried it this wasn't way? Wasn't good then? enough? What if that?" And so you can't do it. You just can't fulfill it and people get stuck
1: yep yeah it's bottomless for sure mm-hmm. i realize
0: we're kind of coming toward the end of our time is there anything in particular that wait we know, only get half an hour
2: i thought we had a whole hour for this what um, <laughs> I was just getting rolling here <laughs>
0: yeah are you like you're out you're like i'm done I'm, this uh, is done with this, you too done I'm with it. at least hour. one and a half minutes <laughs> you're gonna be <laughs> done with <Yeah>. us <laughs> i'll
2: give you one and a half more minutes I um i i just like to say to people you know the idea that uh the biggest thing that will work against you will be the thing that you're trying to get rid of you know you're your worst enemy in multiple ways is OCD a for what it's done to you and B for how it's going to try to hang on to you at the same time. Yeah. So, so just keep that in mind and that, you know, therapists have one goal in working with you and that is to help you not be ruled by obsessive compulsive disorder anymore and let them do their job, trust in what they tell you and give it a chance because, uh, here's why I, in a weird way, I don't think OCD is scary because it's amazingly predictable and we know exactly what it's going to do. But it becomes scary because even though it's predictable, it throws one more thing at you and says, "Uh, but what if this is the time, right? And Mm -hmm. so, but if you know that that's also predictable and that it's going to do that, then maybe you recognize, oh, wow, OCD actually does have a pattern. I'm stuck in the pattern. And the one goal is to get out of the pattern. And if I get out of the pattern, maybe I can get better. So I'll leave
0: it at that. That's yeah. so well said. Thank you so much um,
1: for for joining us today. Um, yes, thank and you, Patrick. For all of your wisdom.
0: Of course, it was a blast. Thank you.
1: Well, I will be thinking about koalas now. Ducks and koalas. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there's a there's a children's book in this somewhere. You there
2: guys, is. I think so. I like I it. Think yeah. So. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah. Okay. Um, we'll have a great week, everybody. Yes. Thank you so much. We'll thank see you soon. Everybody. Okay. Thanks, Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us. Just as a reminder, this podcast is not therapy, nor is it intended as a replacement for therapy. If you need further support, we encourage you to seek treatment with a registered professional who specializes in OCD.
0: If you have a moment, we'd love to hear what you think. Feel free to leave us any feedback by reviewing us on your podcast app of choice. You can find past episodes on our website at purelyocd.com. Remember, this podcast is for you, so please let us know what you would like to hear. We want to make our message as helpful
1: as it can be. We hope you will join us in the future as we continue our discussion on all things OCD.